Well, I have been under the influence of my grandparents. <laughs> my mom's mom and dad, uh, they lived and uh, she was raised in Louisiana, and they love country music. That's kind of my heritage in my family. And uh, so my grandfather, he uh, wrote songs, sang those songs, played the guitar. My grandmother played the stand-up bass. His brothers played the banjo and the fiddle. And uh, we've got lots of, of uh, video from us sitting around their living room picking and grinning uh, in Louisiana. A lot of fun. He was on the radio, and I've got a bunch of his 45 records. Uh, for young people, you might not know what that is, but uh, us older ones do. The 45 records, and I've got them at home as well. I've got a lot of uh, handwritten correspondence between him and Loretta Lynn, back and forth talking about songs and some different things too. But uh, they influenced me in that genre just to kind of fall into that line of thinking too. And so in the early 90s, some of you know uh, that I pursued country music a little bit, and we uh, produced two albums in Oklahoma City, uh, and then I uh, got invited to Nashville by Charlie Daniels to try out for his television show, and that didn't necessarily work out, but that's okay. We went and gave it a shot anyway. Did a lot of township festivals throughout Oklahoma and Arkansas, and it was so cool to see uh, just do those shows and kind of interact with the populations that were there to, to enjoy some country music and the, the story that comes along with country music as well. Talking to folks at the merch table afterwards and seeing how they were influenced by music or a particular song, that was, that was a lot of fun. And my guess is that you've got folks that have influenced you in your life as well. Folks who have poured into you and be physically present with you through your journey, wherever you might have been. And church, truly, we want to be like that for the cause of Christ, don't we? I mean, we want to be the folks who are on fire for Jesus, who have a story to tell. And that's what this series really is all about, that you and I would discover our story in Christ Jesus and the story of Jesus himself and reveal that to those around us, to those folks right in front of us. And we made a commitment last week that we would allow the Holy Spirit to work in us so that he can eventually work through us, and then we can be influencers with the folks around us for the cause of Christ. We want to be those kind of people. And that's why right here at Cross Point, we have really settled in. If you go look at our mission board out there, we are connected to a lot of local uh, opportunities here. We've connected with uh, GPISD, and we help uh, kids go, go to school. We get their backpacks. You saw all of that stuff on stage last week. Uh, we support families who can't really afford to send their kids back to school. Uh, we connect with uh, uh, groups here in, the, in our city that help uh, homeless families get off the street and their kids get into the school system. We connect with folks uh, like PBT. David was up here just a few moments ago and he works with PBT, Pioneer Bible Translators. Uh, we want to support them as they work to get the Word of God into the different languages around the world that desperately need to know the story of Jesus. This morning, we've got a good friend of mine, Lanny Tucker, here with us with Eastern European Missions. Raise your hand, Lanny, if you're in here. He's right back here. Everybody take a look. He's got his hand up because he wants you to come see him uh, after service is over. He's got a table set up right out by our welcome desk. Uh, and they are working hard to put the Bible into folks' hands in Eastern Europe. They're doing a lot of work right now in Ukraine. With the war going on, there's a lot of activity there. Uh, and so go by his table and talk to Lanny. He'll, he'll get you informed. We've also partnered with the church in Campamento, Honduras. I've been on the ground there and rubbed elbows with the locals as, as I've poured out the story of God with those folks and got to know folks who travel every Sunday hours to get to church in order to be with the community of believers. We partnered with uh, an orphanage in Kenya, Africa, where all the orphans are deaf. 
that we pour into them to let them know they're important in the story of God. And each and every one of us want to be useful in the kingdom of God, don't we? We want God to show us our purpose in kingdom work. How can we pour into the folks that are right in front of us and let them know how incredible Jesus Christ truly is, how he can change their life? And there's lots of ways that we think that we can do that, but Jesus said overall, in that last supper in the upper room before he's arrested and eventually crucified, he tells the disciples the expectation for them as they live out into the world. In John chapter 13, Beginning in verse 34, Jesus says, Now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And that small group of followers turned the world upside down with the story of Jesus Christ. And that's evident now because 2,000 years later, here we are worshiping what God has done through Jesus Christ, and together as the family of God, sharing that story one with another. We want to be that kind of loving people. Now, these guys had heard about love their whole life, love your neighbor, love God, but here Jesus says, I give you a new commandment. And he says in the text, he says, the new commandment is love like I have loved you, sacrificially. I mean, are we willing to to go to bat for one another? Are we willing to die for one another? Can we carry each other's burdens? Can we forgive one another like Jesus has forgiven us? That's how he's called us to live. And Jesus says, if you love like that, that's how the world is going to know that you follow me. We get kind of mixed up sometimes and we think, okay, let's buy some, some Christian t-shirts and wear those and not a bad thing there. Let's put a cross point bumper sticker on our car. Let's read some great authors, listen to some great preachers, listen to some good Christian podcasts, turn on Christian radio. Sometimes we end up being angry with and judging folks who are non-believers. But Jesus said, you take all of that, and he said, that is not what I'm calling you to do. What I'm calling you to do is to love each other like I have loved you. And that's a totally different thing. We're called to love one another. And my guess is you've had people in your life who have loved you through all the warts, through all the negative things, through all the difficulties that you've had, just like I've had. And the people that have the most influence on me are the people who are right in front of me, the people who are physically present in my life. Not the folks that I know around the world, although there may have been moments when they were, and that's where the influence came from. But generally speaking, the folks who are physically in your life are the folks who have the most influence on you. And so those those moments when we have folks over to eat at our house or we go to eat at somebody else's house. We have feet under each other's table. The moments when I'm having a, a difficult day and somebody calls up and says, let's go get a cup of coffee together and talk about it. Those moments when we're in connect group together and digging into God's word together. The moments when we're on mission trip together and we have that, that experience outside the United States. Those are the moments when people are in my life and they have the most influence on me. And my guess is that you would say those folks influence you much the same way in your life. I mean, at Christmas time, we celebrate God coming to earth because after all, God did not love us from a distance. He came in human form, and the message version of the Bible in John 1 says he moved into our neighborhood. I love that phrase, don't you? It's the idea that he's right there in my cul-de-sac. He's right across the street. He is living life with me. He loves me so much. He didn't love me from a distance, but he came right 
down to earth to walk with me, to be with me. And those folks who are physically present are the ones who had the most influence on you in your life. I've talked often about uh, a small group of guys that I have in my life who kind of hold me accountable, and we, we are real with each other and authentic with each other. Dr. Gabe Avila is one of those guys. And uh, Gabe uh, is, an, is an eye doctor. He lives in Abilene, about two and a half hours away. And the unique thing about Gabe is he was the first kid to graduate out of my youth group. It's a miracle that he made it out alive, but he did. <clears throat> but Gabe and I stayed very connected his whole life. Matter of fact, he's already a grandpa. I'm not even a grandpa yet, but he is. He's got an extended family. And we have, over the years, done vacation together. We've hung out together. We have uh, FaceTimed and texted and phone called. We've cried together. We've laughed together. But we've never just, he and I, gone on like a weekend trip together. We've always threatened to do that. We wanted to do that. And then last year, he lost his dad to COVID. And he and I said, we are going to do something in 2022, which we did a few weeks ago. We went uh, crappie fishing together in Oklahoma at Broken Bow Lake. We had a great time together, but we poured into each other. And Gabe is one of those guys that has influence in my life, although he's a lot younger than me because he lives life with me. He's physically present with me. And we're called to live in community together, not in isolation. But you know and I know folks who claim to be followers of Christ who say, you know, I really don't need the church anymore. I don't need the family of believers around me anymore. I don't need to be in a connect group or small group anymore. I can do this thing on my own. And the truth is, you can do it by yourself for just a smidge of time, but you can't live like that if you're going to be a follower of Christ. We need each other. We need to be together in life. And I can go on your social media, you can go on my social media, and you can see that maybe each other, we, we have hundreds, maybe even thousands of friends that we call friends, but they're really not our friends. The people that are living life with us, physically present with us, those are the folks who have the most influence on us. There is no substitute for physical presence, one with each other. Elon Musk, who is a, uh, the richest billionaire in the world, I checked last week, his net worth is $272 billion with a B. I thought, you know, he could give me a million. He wouldn't even miss it. That, that'd be okay. Can I show he's a good guy? He won't take my phone calls, though. I don't know the deal. But he did an interview with Rolling Stone magazine a few years ago. And at the time, he was consolidating some of his properties, selling some of that stuff off because he wanted to focus on one particular project or a few projects he was working on, and he needed some liquid uh, uh, to, to, to move into those opportunities. But during the interview, he, he reminded us of how important community truly is. The richest guy in the world says this, being in a huge empty house when there are no footsteps echoing down the hallways, I mean, how do you make yourself happy in a situation like that? When I was a child, there was one thing I said, I never want to be alone. Now, here's a guy that could pretty much buy anything he wants in the world, but he knows the value of community. He knows the value of journeying together. Living in isolation as a Christian is just not an option. And we're called through the Great Commission in Matthew 28 to lean into those around us and to go into all the world and tell the story of Jesus. That's exactly how Jesus lived. You take a look at the, the story when he's walking through Jericho. And the crowd is really leaning in 
They want to see this famous rabbi who teaches well and preaches well, goes toe-to-toe with the leading Pharisees of the day. He's done some miracles. They know who Jesus is, and the crowd is just cramping the road as he walks through. And there's a really short tax collector in this town. His name is Zacchaeus. We all know the story from VBS. He was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And so Zacchaeus climbs up in this tree to look over the crowd so he can see this incredible man named Jesus. And in the story, Jesus stops and he looks up in the tree and he says, Zacchaeus, you need to come down out of the tree because I'm going to have lunch at your house today. And Jesus changes his life forever. He moves him in ways that he never thought possible because Jesus decided to live into the person right in front of him and influence him for good. There's another story in John chapter 4 where Jesus is at a well in Samaria. It's midday, and there's another woman there, a Samaritan woman, who's come to get water at the well. And she's there at that time because apparently there are another, the other women in, in the village don't really care for her. So she's out there by herself. She and Jesus begin a dialogue, which would have been not the appropriate thing to do in Jesus' day. You don't talk to a, another woman other than your wife outside of the home in public, and certainly not a Samaritan woman. But they're talking about worship and where's the best place to worship and what is real worship. And then Jesus tells her her whole life story. So she runs back to the village and brings the entire village out to meet Jesus. And her life and the village's life is changed forever because Jesus made time to lean into physically the woman that was right in front of him. And that's our call too as we lean into the story that God has us in right now in our own life. The story we're going to look at today that Jesus tells is in Luke chapter 14. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. We'll be there in a few moments, Luke 14. Our text will be on the screen as well. But I really want to set up kind of what Jesus is walking into and what's going on. So he's been invited to this incredible banquet at this very high-profile Pharisee's house in town. And as he enters the door, as he looks around the room, he notices there are a lot of important people in this room. All the people that should be invited have been invited. The mayor's there, the chief of police, people who run prominent businesses in town. They're all present. And you know, we sometimes operate like that, don't we? We we see we want to be around people who look like us, who act like us, who eat the same food as us, who like the same kind of music that we do. We want to be around those kind of people and we can be a pretty exclusive group. But in those moments, there's always an us and them category, isn't there? And we don't want to be in them category. We want to be in the us. There's us and there's them. And Jesus walks into this banquet at this guy's house, and he looks around the room, and he notices there's a whole lot of us, and there are no them there. It's a very exclusive group. And we get to our story beginning in verse 12. So Jesus turns to the host of the party, and he says, When you put on a luncheon or a banquet, kind of like the one we're at right now, he said, don't invite your friends and your brothers, your relatives and your rich neighbors for they will invite you back and that will be your only reward. Sometimes that's how we are. It's already been stated. We want to be around people that act like us and look like us rather than reaching out to those who might be a little different than us. But I don't want you to miss something that I have tended to glaze over in this particular verse, verse 12. It's very interesting. Listen to what he says. 
Jesus is connecting your reward in heaven with the people that you spend time with on earth. Wow, that's pretty heavy. Our story continues in verse 13. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. And hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. There's always one in every crowd, isn't there? There's a guy that he, he runs away from conflict. He's trying to calm everything down. He's trying to smooth it over because what Jesus just said might have offended somebody in the room. And he's just kind of trying to distract what's been said. It's going to be great to be at the banquet of God, isn't it? And so Jesus begins the story where he's trying to make the point in verse 16. So a man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. And when the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guest, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. And one said, I have uh, just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. And another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. So please excuse me. Another said, I now have a wife and she won't let me come. No, that's not what it says. <laughs> Sorry. I can't come either. I just got married. All the people who should have been invited have been invited, and they're very polite with their excuses. They're trying to, to kind of work around it. They say, look, your party is very important. The celebration, the gathering is very important. I've just got something a little bit better to do. And church, if we're not careful, we can fall into that category too at times. And I'm going to substitute the feast or the banquet or the party to, to these moments like this. Because I don't know about you, but I need to be with you on Sunday morning. I love the moment that we have to come together with one voice and praise the man who gave us eternal life. Amen? I mean, don't you think that's important? It's so important that we gather together, not live in isolation, but at least this time on Sunday that we come together and we celebrate that empty tomb. That Jesus Christ conquered death and everything else that Satan could throw at him. And because of that, you and I have eternal life. That is something to sing a hallelujah about. I love that message and that story. But for some of us who say we follow Jesus Christ, we come up with every excuse in the book not to be together with other followers. We, we give a laundry list of things of why we can't come. The same way with our small group system, our connect groups. By the way, I'm going to plug those again. You can get online on our, our website and you can sign up digitally for those or out at the tables by the baptistry. But we'll make excuses why we can't be in each other's homes or be a part of a, a Bible study group where we're learning what it means to follow Christ. That's part of discipleship is digging into the Word of God together. I've literally heard the excuse, well, I'd have to clean my house if I had a connect group. <laughs> Or I'm not sure how they cleaned their house, so I'm not going over there. I mean, it works both ways, right? And we come up with excuses of why we can't get together to celebrate what Christ has done for us. So our story continues in verse 21. So the servant returned and told his master what they had said. And his master was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. A party that was just exclusive just became inclusive. 
And it's a reminder that the table of God is for everybody, not just those who think that they've earned it. It's for all of us, warts and all, no matter where you've been, what you've done, what your skin color is, your language, your nation of origin, no matter what your bank account looks like, no matter what team you root for on a Sunday, it doesn't matter. God loves you, and he wants you as part of his family and his party. And so there are two or three things we can gain from this story this morning as we finish up our time together. The first one is this, that being a true influencer means that you need to be fully present. You need to be fully present with those folks in front of you if you truly want to influence people for the cause of Christ. One of the best examples I have for not being fully present right now in our culture is our cell phone. Raise your hand if you think cell phone is a distraction ever. Every hand in here is up. I've been guilty too. Talking with somebody, I hear someone else's phone ding and I pull my phone out to look at it, see what it was. <laughs> that happened to anybody else? It's a major distraction, is it not? And what's funny is on Sunday morning, you forget that I'm up here and I can see all of you. <laughs> yeah. I know on Sunday mornings, I see some of you out with your phone and you're ordering something off Amazon. <laughs> or you're texting a picture of the guy that fell asleep to your best friend. And that phone can be a distraction. If you want to be a real influencer for Christ, you need to be fully present. And lean into those folks who are right in front of you. The folks that you want to make sure they know Jesus Christ. And I've been guilty of being unengaged before. Now the guys in the room I think are going to register with what I'm about to say. The girls have no idea how we do it. But there have been moments on long trips. Robin's riding shotgun. I'm driving down the road. It might be six or seven minutes before I say anything. And she'll look over at me and she'll go, you have your nothing box open, don't you? (laughs) Any guys resonate with that? Oh, just three of us. Wow. Okay. (laughs) And I'll say, yes, it's great not having to make any decisions. I'm not thinking about much of anything. We're just driving down the road. And that's really not my character. As you know, I, I love interacting with each and every one of you in big groups, learning where you're at, what's going on in your life. That's just my personality and who I am. But there was a time in Kansas City when we lived there, we went to a lake party at someone's house, and it was a bunch of Robin's teachers from school. And I remember we got there, and she started talking to friends right away, and I got a a cup of punch, and I went to the corner and sat sat on the end of a couch. And I pretty much sat there the entire time. Didn't talk to really anybody. I didn't know anybody. And on the way home, I got in trouble. It's true. (laughs) But it's because she was like, that's not you at all. You love to engage with people. I wanted my friends to really meet you. And that really is a reminder for all of us that, that take advantage of the moments right in front of you. God is going to give you opportunities every single day of your life to lean into someone and say, do you know Jesus loves you? Let me show you what he can do for you in your life. Look how I'm a different person because of Jesus Christ. And it's a call to be intentional with the opportunities that God gives us. Secondly, being an influencer means loving uninvited and overlooked people. And for some of us, that could be difficult because that might mean having to talk to folks that we normally try to avoid Maybe in the workplace, maybe in your neighborhood, maybe right here at Crosspoint, I don't know. But there are moments when we have to lean into those who seem to be uninvited and overlooked. And it's tough, I know, at times. In our story, Jesus is talking about going out into the city and the country and bringing in those who are poor. 
That's the way we read that. But in the original language, the phrase is people without value. And my guess is we all know people who feel like they're not valuable. My guess is right here this morning in this room or joining us online, there are some people in this room who feel like they have no value. And I want to correct that thinking this morning because God loves you. God wants you. And it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done, what thing you think is so, so terrible in your past that you can't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that is just not true. Satan is whispering in your ear not to pay attention, but I promise you, Jesus wants you as part of his family. And there is something powerful about showing up for people, isn't there? Leaning into their life and reminding them how much they're loved by Jesus Christ. Our story goes on in verse 22 and 23. Jesus continues and says, after the servant had done this, he reported, there's still more room. And to his, his master said, then go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that my house will be full. Let me tell you something. Jesus is never going to let up on you. He's always going to come after you. He wants you to be in his family so much that he gave his life for you. But for some of us, we've decided to live our life in isolation. We've kind of created this little bubble. And so we kind of stay in that bubble in our home. And we don't get out too much. But the truth is, if you're going to be a follower of Christ, being an influencer for Christ means that you're going to have to go to some unfamiliar and uncomfortable places in your life. Let me tell you something. Following Jesus Christ is risky business. The cross is not pretty. It is rough. And if we follow Christ, then he's called us into this, this calling to go out into the world and tell the story of Jesus. It's so important that we do that because it's going to be hard to have stories to tell if you're just comfortable living in your little bubble. Robin and I have had uh, the blessing of going all over the world in short-term missions. And uh, we have done a lot of work in the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico. We have been up in the, the mountains in Jamaica, away from populations where we worked with families and kids. We have been to Croatia, where we put on their first ever VBS. And I watched moms that were standing at the back of the room trying to discover what is VBS. And tears began to fall down their face because they didn't know people could love their kids that much. We have been to, to Germany, and I've walked on the streets of Lyon, France, trying to talk to people about God in a country that really does not care about God anymore. It's tough. But if you're going to have stories about God, you're going to have to get out of your bubble. If you want to influence people for the cause of Christ, you're going to have to do something different than maybe you've ever done before, something that might feel uncomfortable for you. And guess what? You don't have to go to Croatia. You don't have to go to Jamaica. You can simply talk to your next-door neighbor or the person at the desk right beside you in your workplace or the barista behind the Starbucks counter or the cashier at Walmart. The list goes on. God gives us opportunities every single day to smile and let people know how God has influenced our life and now how we want to influence their life for great things. And so the challenge this series, tell a good story. 
is really about leaning into the people that are right in front of you, that God puts right in front of you, allowing the Holy Spirit to do something in you so that later he can do something through you so that you can become that influencer for Christ. That's the kind of world that we're called into. And church, I don't know if you've looked around at the news lately, but this world desperately needs Jesus. And it's on us to take that message to the world around us. That's the challenge for us today. But you know, all that storytelling and the the power that we gain only comes from Christ. It's only Jesus living in you that you have the capability to do that very thing. So you can't do it without Jesus. Say yes to Jesus today. I'm going to go ahead and ask our shepherds and their wives to go ahead and stand and gather around the wall of this room. As we sing this very next song, it's going to be an opportunity for you to go ask for prayer. Maybe there's something going on in your life that's kind of holding you back a little bit, and you're ready to let that go. And so go find one of these couples, let them pray for you and over you, reminding you that Jesus loves you and he's got great things for you to do in your life. I know first service at the end, two people came to us and said, next Sunday I'm going to be baptized. That's exciting. It's going to happen after first service, yes. And there are some in here that have not been baptized yet into Christ, and it's only through that raising into a brand new life full of the Holy Spirit that you'll be empowered to do great, mighty things in the story of God. So I want to go ahead and ask you guys to stand. I want to pray over us as we stand, and then we'll sing our final song. Father, we come to you this morning, first of all, acknowledging that you are the God of the universe, and you can do anything you want to do. God, there are some of us in this room who who are looking for purpose, and we want to to see those realities that you put right in front of us. And I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would reveal those moments to us. Give us the courage and the strength to tell the story of Jesus to those that we come in contact with each and every day. Thank you, God, for this church, for its giving spirit. And I pray, God, that you would bless us as we continue to grow and discover how you've called us to live into the world. It's in Jesus' name we offer this prayer. Amen.